0: If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization. Whether it is big data, cloud, data science,
1: or whatever buzzword is currently
0: trendy, If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place.
1: This is between data and risk, where we discuss real life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations.
0: Hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siewiak, and with me is my co-host Artur Guja, Cognition Shared Solutions Chief Risk and Strategy Officer. Hello. Welcome to second episode of Between Data and Risk. Today we'll be talking about surviving paradigm shifts. We finished the last episode. where we spoke about data on the note that working with data, you need to make sure that your assumptions are not outdated. And uh, discussing the last episode, we realized that this is something which is very true in the world of risk. As well. So today I would like to ask you, Arthur, about your experience of working as a trader in 2008. I know that you managed to remain profitable uh, in your operations as a trader during this time. And uh, to my knowledge, it was a success of your risk management skills. So, how about you tell us what was so risky? Why so many? banks at the large failed to uh, mitigate them? And uh, how did you manage to stay sane? (laughs) Yeah, certainly. Uh, Although uh,
1: I I don't think we should go very deep into the technicalities of the 2008 crisis. If uh, anyone wants to uh, have a a good look at the the general impact They should uh, definitely watch the film uh, the big short uh, it's 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 a great uh, depiction of of what happened and 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 the, some of the reasons but i uh, i think we should talk about the, the as you said the paradigm shifts the, the outdating of assumptions i'll give you a few practical examples uh, of that i was working uh, back then as a, as a trader for one of the uh, quite significant european banks and uh, uh, it, I was, I was mostly working with, uh, products based on the, the values of, of shares of companies, but, uh, I was also working with interest rates, uh, with some effects, some commodities. So, so quite a, a wide, wide portfolio. And I was handed shortly, just shortly before 2008, I was handed the, uh, um uh, the, the kind of responsibility for managing, uh quite a big book uh, of of trades it was uh, roughly four and a half billion dollars worth of, uh, of of trades of which uh, about three quarters uh, well, roughly it was 3.2 billion was in one trade which uh, depended on the value of uh, you, the the world indices uh, so euro stocks, uh, S p 500 and Nikkei, so there's three big uh, share indices plus long-term interest rates. And we're, we're talking long-term, long-term, as in 30 years. Uh, and I, I started looking at, at at this shortly before 2008, and there, there, there were quite a lot of assumptions going into pricing of that. Uh, there was quite a, a complicated model, I said, with, the, with our quants. So the, the mathematicians who actually devised the model uh, tried to learn a, a lot about it. And uh, as 2008 started to unravel, I remember sitting down with one manager once and uh, it, he said, why are you re- reviewing the the, 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 calibration of the model every day? You know, we used to do it every month, maybe once every two months. Why, why are you doing this every week, and every day now? And I said, because things are changing, you know, and it, it you know, he, he, uh, he was a very intelligent guy so he quickly grasped what was what, what was going on but uh, it was it it was that to that extent one one very kind of palpable example people who were trading interest rates at that time uh, could tell you that historically the volatility of long term interest rates so the measure of variability of long term interest rates uh, was uh, roughly at the level of 11 12% per annum uh at that time, it started going up and it reached levels of around 38-40%. Uh, so, you know, if you if you look at the graph, it goes flat and then suddenly spikes. Uh and go, it went flat for years. It's not like it was a couple of months. It went flat for years and then spiked. So these these were massive changes. And all the all the models needed to be reviewed and all the assumptions need to be reviewed.
0: Uh but to my understanding, is a that's true for any kind of model you need to at least from from the data science perspective uh, it is I think especially true for for all the machine learning models where you assume that the future will hold the same patterns that the the past held. So how does it translate to to risk like you know and quantifiable risk of, of losing money and avoiding losing money by blindly following the belief that the patterns are the same
1: well it's fun, funny that uh, every single financial ad that that you 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 see or you hear it you you tend to to, to see this uh, add-on that past may not be an indication of the future right and yet pretty much all modeling including financial modeling is based on the assumption that the future will be at least to a certain extent like the past right so uh it is it there 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 are there are several things you can you can do and th- several things uh you should keep in mind to do it to do it correctly or at least to to minimize the risk one is that you should uh you should only hold the assumptions that you think are reasonably good and let go of the ones that uh, you know are, are are a bit shaky this 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 is this may kind of be a, a very very short way to put to put something very complex uh you know how you, do you, you can assume how how, how
0: how do you distinguish between solid and and and, and shaky if you, you said this volatility was at level of 11 percent for years and years and years and years and years. It sounds pretty solid to me. So,
1: uh, yes, but when it's when it starts changing, you sit up and listen, you sit up and react. Right. You don't fall into complacency and say, oh, you know, it's 13, it's 14. It will come down. Oh, it's, it's 20. It will come down. It must come down. You know, it's you don't you don't fall into this complacency uh, mindset uh another another thing is that you should uh, you should see uh you, you should start looking for patterns uh obviously but you should you, you shouldn't overseek and this is you know as a data scientist you you know, overfitting of models is something that you will be very fa- very familiar with so don't 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 look for for new patterns it's, immediately it's, it's especially overfitting, in overfitting
0: overfitting is not 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 exactly uh about that but uh, very often you you try to uh, s- find something or and machine learning is very good at, at finding something you will put the chair inside uh, a bit of carrots and uh, some you know oil uh, some some uh, car oil and uh, you will get some soup out of it not necessarily very healthy but uh, Mm-hmm. But I, I just want to, to, to make sure that we we do not mix because when you overfit, you you, you have your situation very precisely described, and it's all about the precision. that you will believe that it will be ex- future will be very very exactly reflecting the 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 past. What you are describing is finding some trends weak. Weak no, correlations, this is... uh, and where 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 these correlations are, are are let's say purely mathematical, not 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 uh...
1: not necessarily. It's exactly what what uh, I, I'm talking about: overfitting data to the current, uh, you know, ca- current trend, where the current trend will is is not really a trend; it's uh, it's breaking. So you there's there there's an old adage in in risk management uh, and which i think is very widely applicable it's better to be approximately right than precisely wrong and uh, you know if you if you fit your 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 model to the, to your to the current market mm-hmm. and but the, the, the market is currently in a paradigm shift it hasn't yet found itself and uh, it's you know you fit it to to mid shift It works correctly, but it works correctly only for the next half an hour. But
0: that's overfitting. Yes, you you, you fit all your data points perfectly. uh, And in 20 minutes, you can throw your model away, which reminds me of uh, of modeling of COVID, where people were trying to fit the you know, data as it flew into machine learning models, and they were fitting uh, functions to, to 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 the changing numbers. But in a, in a in a couple of days, these models were were exactly wrong. Uh, I think it would be if somebody's interested in the topic, in episode one, we spoke a lot about it. Let's get back to risk and two thousand and eight. Yeah.
1: So. Uh... I I remember that we were we were fitting the models and you know we're not talking about small money here it was 3.2 billion uh which we were trying to to manage uh and and manage the risk you know safeguard the risk and uh I remember I was working with two great risk managers back then Jay Schulman and Grant Roberts who uh were helping me devise scenarios to Get some intuition behind what this model was going to do. Uh, we had a few stress stress test scenarios devised, and uh, I think there was about eight or ten of them. And they were they were running the the model through those test stress scenarios, and we were we were trying to devise how it's going to behave because it was a, quite a complex hybrid trade. There was there was you know a very little uh, straightforward about it, and I remember we got into some cases where all the stress test scenarios were coming out positive and the model was telling us that whatever happens from now on we're going to make money and we were looking at this and saying no that's you know some 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 something's not right so if you want to Uh,
0: if you you want to win at the at the the, uh, casino the roulette always put your money on black and you cannot lose Unless, yeah, uh, you know, a- it, no, it's 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 it's
1: even worse. It's telling you put it on red, black. Don't put it at all. You'll win. You'll be fine. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's it's this kind okay. of feeling, right? Where it it it, t- it tells you what whatever happens, you'll be fine. You'll 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 hit the jackpot. And uh, th- it turns out that some of the uh, some of the assumptions behind the model, some very basic assumptions, were 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 going out of the window very quickly. Uh, so so we had to we had to rethink what we were doing and uh at some point we were we were flying a bit blind because the the assumptions in the model being broken we we had to kind of almost feel our weight in the dark about it uh the way the way to stay sane uh is is i think go back to basics, go back to what you know and uh uh Try, try to build up your knowledge from that. what what we did back then is we knew some basic uh, kind of truth about mathematical truth about what the model needed to do, right what the first derivatives of of, of of the price were going to be versus certain variables, what the second derivative we didn't know about complex scenarios which we had we were trying to divide, but we knew some some you know things that that mathematically didn't change and we started building up from that. Uh, which it didn't allow us to perform complex analysis, but it allowed us to verify the answers that we were getting from various combinations and try to weed out those that were obviously wrong. So in a sense, we were, we were doing, we were, we were weeding out the things that would lead us to being precisely wrong and then gathering the ones which were building up the. Uh, the the picture to being approximately right.
0: So wait, so if you would like to to, to summarize where we are. uh, So let's say we have a paradigm shift, paradigm change. So we have our business. Which we are in right now, right? Which that's why I would like to to, to spell it out. That's why I think this this topic is so uh, so current um, and applicable. So. We have our businesses running along some paths and we see that the things are changing. The sales uh, predictions are no longer um, valid, our, um, the prognostics that we use is, is starting to fail. What do we do besides running you know, around like headless chickens and screaming? Screening?
1: we go back to basics right and uh, this is this is something that for 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 some reason i see people very reluctant to do but uh, ask yourself what what is it that for for certain doesn't change right uh, what doesn't change is uh, you know what what you're what you're doing uh, what you actually see or your people doing you should have your processes your your business mapped out to such an extent that you should see the the actions the decisions might change but the actions that uh, stem from those decisions should remain roughly constant if not you need to review them obviously and then uh, start start reviewing your assumptions one by one w- why are you doing this is it still applicable you know if it's if 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 the purpose of your of your business of your process has has uh, is no longer applicable you need to review it go go back to those basics and uh, and ask yourself the right questions. This is th- this is, I think, the uh, you know that a very very solid piece of advice that is also very widely applicable and for some reason not not very
0: widely taken. No, common sense is not that common because what you what you are saying is like formalizing a common sense. I think it's pretty pretty close. Yeah, and and also avoid uh, a, a, avoid
1: any rush you know, spur of the moment, uh, uh unplanned, and un, you know, not through, not thought through decisions. Uh, another example I can, I can give you of, uh, kind of an interesting markets, uh, event is 2010. So let's, let's, uh, you know, fast forward two years, uh, 2010, there was, uh, something that's not as widely known as the 2008 uh uh financial um uh, financial crisis it, w- it was called the flash crash it lasted only about 38 minutes and uh it's but it's a, it's a very interesting event uh, nonetheless uh it happened exactly on uh 6th of May 2010 and uh at 2:45 uh european uh, sorry e- e- EDT, which is uh, the Eastern time zone in US, uh, the index that uh, mm, kind of averages the the, the prices of 500 biggest US companies, the S&P 500, it crashed, uh, it had one of the largest crashes ever, right? Uh, Why? as, As I say, it... What? Ah, this is a very good question it's a very good question uh, there are many theories oh. but uh we'll get back to that let let's describe the the, the, the event first so uh the uh the index w- ha- was at you know hovering at the value of about ten thousand points at the, at the time and uh, it crashed uh in the in those 30 something minutes it crashed about a thousand points down and then recovered uh you know, so obviously a lot of money changed hands uh, and uh, a lot of winners and losers. It was actually an uh, an unprecedented, almost, uh, or, or so people thought, uh, event uh, where the, the, the exchange actually broke some trades. It canceled some trades. Uh, Using uh, various algorithms, because those those trades were completely outside of any 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 paradigm that was was previously you know thought possible in 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 the market. So you ask why? There are many many theories. Uh, There were many reports coming out because obviously it was important for for market the smooth running of market to find out why why this happens. Uh, And the biggest uh, the biggest culprit that was was blamed uh, was high frequency traders. So traders who run programs that automatically put in even hundreds, thousands of orders every second to exchanges. Uh, there was a, a a book written, uh, by, uh, uh, Michael Lewis, uh, Flash Boys, uh, precisely about this event and, and about high frequency trading, uh, you know, and they, they were blamed because they were, uh, they, they, they were putting so many orders in the market, uh, canceling those orders, doing various things that were not fully understood by, by, by many people. And, uh, you know, they were blamed for exacerbating what, what was, what could be a very small move into a, into a crash. There was also a,
0: uh, um, you know, but one one it, one person was does actually it, does it does it does it really make sense? Because to my understanding, high frequency trading didn't end, and we didn't observe these sudden jumps. And to my understanding, if it's algorithmic trade trading, you have algorithms which are competing against each other. If they had an ability to generate such results they would more often, looking how many trades there are per second from different high-frequency traders, the, let's say, probability space is quite thoroughly tested every, I don't know, oh, five minutes so. or so. No, no, by, by the algorithms, I, I, I don't hope so. I'm afraid so. Uh, like uh, you'd,
1: th- you'd hope so. <laughs> uh, the, I th- I think there's... I think, I think you, you, you believe that the algorithms are doing what they're supposed to be doing, right?
0: I believe that algorithms are trying to do what they are supposed to be doing. And if they are poorly written or poorly tested, a lot of different funny things around it. So I believe that they try to do break the system six ways till Sunday. Uh, every single minute. So, if the system would be susceptible to high-frequency trading errors, we would observe it more than once a decade. Funny, fun, fun you should say that. Uh, th- uh, let, 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 let me continue a bit. So,
1: there was one person indicted for for actually uh, they, they were arrested and and sentenced for uh, and banned from trading for life. For for their their part in the uh, in the flash crash, uh, the, the, that trader was actually from from UK. Uh, although that there there was a lot of dispute because it was a, a you know a lone guy not even working for a major bank He had his own fund which he was running from from his basement. Uh, so so there was a lot of dispute whether you know he was just a scapegoat or or or, or, or uh, whether he really had his uh, his fingers in. It. But then there was another report. Uh, at, at, it, it basically stated that flash crashes actually do occur; they occur very frequently. It's just not to that extent. You, that uh, free high frequency trading has actually caused much more volatility and these intermittent spikes in mm-hmm. in many markets. Uh, the, the, there were obviously uh, some uh, counterbalances put in place immediately after the flash crash. So there were circuit break- breakers introduced. Uh, so uh, why why do we talk about this in terms of paradigm shifts? Uh, there was a certain assumption about how the markets operate up to the flash crash, and then the markets had to react after the fact. Uh, so exchanges put in circuit breakers that were supposed to if not prevent and at least mitigate uh, uh, flash crashes, uh, they basically worked uh, in such a way that if the price deviated from a certain reference price uh, too fast, they would put a, a stop, uh, like a five minute stop, on the on the trading to let the market take a breather and then regain sanity. Uh, there was additional control. There were additional controls put around high frequency trading. Uh, High-frequency trading has actually decreased. Uh, I have some statistic here. So there was uh, 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 it, it accounted for about sixty percent of uh, trading in uh, um, in 2010 and 2011, and it fell uh, to about twenty-eight uh, percent uh, by the end of uh, 2011. So it it actually did decrease quite significantly high frequency trading because of the restrictions there were also some some additional uh uh prohibitions put in place uh, things like uh, spoofing layering uh, and front running essentially how how do we explain yeah.
0: it how how do you explain what are these and how they connect to to to, to risks but uh, we may So how, how... You know, incur.
1: Uh, it essentially, essentially, if you if you think about high frequency trading, what it does is because it it puts a lot of uh, orders through and then also cancel those orders. Spoofing essentially means putting a lot of orders at various crazy prices into the market and then canceling them before they can get executed, just to create a false sense in the market, basically manipulate the market. Uh, layering, for example, is the same, uh, except you, you create false orders at certain layers of prices and then cancel them and let the market kind of chase you, uh, front running is, is, is a very kind of nasty practice of, uh, putting your orders into the exchange before your client's orders. And then, uh, you know, hoping that, uh, the, the, you can, you can, uh, get the good prices when you know that there is when you have insider knowledge essentially that there are some orders going in that will be then executed it, at, at worse prices but so
0: front running is is a known practice it's not specific to high frequency trading i think it's just illegal activity. no but in high
1: freq, in high frequency trading it, it it got certain kind of new possibilities because of the speed at which it was it was executed so there were there were uh you know new flavors of it and obviously, they were banned after, after uh, as an aftermath of of the flash crash. Uh, so there was a, a big shift, and uh, some of the so, some of the trading had to change because of this, uh, and uh, the approach to trading had to change, and the approach to risk management. Uh, so uh, one of the one of the things that uh, the financial regulators, for example, changed, they started looking at high frequency, high frequency trading. As, as almost a separate branch of trading, and uh, you know, I remember when I was working for for uh, a number of banks, we actually had questions from regulators how we were managing risk, uh, how we planned to manage uh, risk separately for those for those kind of activities. Uh, so it kind of became recognized as as, as a separate activity on its own with its own uh, category of, of, of risks and, uh, and potential problems. And that's, what, that's why I'm, I'm kind of going back to, to your, your statement that algorithms are, are
0: being tested. Uh, I think it, with this kind of thing oh, where you've oh, got... Oh, that's not what I said. I said the algorithms are testing the space of possible solutions uh, thoroughly. So I'm not talking about testing the algorithms, absolutely i are talking about
1: it. algorithms probing the, the, the market. The reality, yeah, but yes. It, that, that's exactly the problem, that they, 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 the, 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 the algorithms are reacting to the market, but the space of the possibilities that the, the algorithms have at that speed is uh, pretty much unfathomable and untestable by the humans who try to operate the... And-
0: and that's what I was exactly trying to say, uh, is that mm-hmm. algorithms probe the possibility space of what can be done to the market before the market will realize that somebody is screwing with it so often that uh, I would expect this flash sales. Okay, if the high-speed sp- high frequency trading dropped from 60% to 20 as you said, uh, it's uh, it's it's a gigantic difference. So maybe it, it accounts for the delay in another plus crash and also the circuit breakers that you mentioned um, as well. But I, I'm listening to this fascinating story and I'm thinking, OK, so I'm running a business, a consultancy, and so we work with, with clients. How can we apply the lessons learned? Because I don't think mm-hmm. most of the businesses uh, work in space of high frequency trading. Uh, so what are the lessons that we could we could take? Because by now I know that if I see the market changing, first, I should get back and try to see what I can understand exactly about my processes, which I have mapped out. And the second uh, thing that we, we said, we shouldn't do any sudden moves and unplanned mm-hmm. moves and following the gut may pose a risk on, of, of its own. Uh, so, w- w- what are the lessons learned S-
1: well, for us? Very good. Let's let's fast forward another nine years to 30th of May 2019. Uh, there was a very interesting speech given by Dave Ramsden, Deputy Governor of Markets and Bank Inc., uh, for Bank of England. Uh, it was given in Inverness Chamber of Commerce. Uh, And in that speech, uh, um, Dave Dave Ramston uh, explained how uh, he thought the lessons from the the financial crisis and uh, uh, from various other kind of market events uh, could be applied to increasing resilience in economy. And I think that the the lessons also apply to, to, to businesses. Uh, he kind of, uh, drew three conclusions. The first is that, the um, uh, kind of the, the scale of shocks, uh, you know, uh, he, he talked about that, the, the, scale of shocks, uh, from, uh, uh, before the, um, uh, from before the 2008 crash, uh, he compared it to 2008 itself. And he, he kind of concluded that the, 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 sh- the shocks before were obviously much much smaller, which led to a certain complacency and and a certain belief that UK as a as a market had uh, um, had resilience in, b- built in, which obviously turned out to be to be false since 2008 hit UK rather larger than 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 than, than more uh, both countries because of the uh, concentration of financial markets, uh, kind of, he, he uh, also, uh, you know, uh, he, he drew the lesson that it's not necessarily the, obviously past is not a a good guide to the future. So that was the, the the kind of the main lesson he, he drew. The second was about what, what constitutes resilience. You have to look at resilience the right way. And that is, uh, you cannot look at resilience uh, um, as uh, your preparedness for what you've seen before. Right. You, th- you should look at resilience uh, as uh, something that how, how prepared are you for the unexpected. And this is what we uh, you know, I think we've we've talked about this uh, a lot with with our clients. Uh, don't just think about things that have happened. And whether you're prepared for the repeat, think about th- go wild, right? Think about dinosaurs running around your office, your clients being, you know, taken to by aliens, abducted by aliens to another planet. What would you da- do then? Right. And obviously some of these might sound absurd, but then you scale back and it's much easier to scale back. And think about some
0: reasonable I, I, scenarios. I, I remember, I remember the the the, the, the example with, with with aliens. But it the, the idea was that this crazy scenario allowed uh, people to think, okay, what if we will start suddenly and une- unexpectedly lose clients? The aliens is here just for fun, for for fun and games, but the situation where you are. Quickly losing a client base, whatever reason, uh, is a very realistic one. So, uh, for those who are hopefully listening to us, uh, this wild scenarios is not just for the sake of, of of having some some fun. They have, if you can draw conclusions, like okay, so if the aliens will come and we will have uh, you know series of abductions. It's not about the abductions. It's about how they will impact so the impact business. on your on your, on, on, on your business. Exactly right. And then, it, will it be flood? Will it be I don't know financial crisis? People just 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 losing interest, or your failed uh, failed failed innovation which didn't uh, get track, or some PR disaster. Whatever the reason, you will be prepared for fast outflow of of, of the clients. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I can come up with any good idea for 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 dinosaurs in the office. But
1: maybe well, we should... it's it's business continuity scenario, right? It's
0: a it's a, it's a good one. Uh, but, but did they eat your employees, or, or 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 they were there by night? Did they eat the food from your fridge and run away? <laughs> They, they they had they had specific taste for
1: your for your hard disk, so you know, make backups. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, i would i would expand uh, slightly on on the conclusion from that speech uh, something that again uh, we we always advise our clients don't think only about first order effects true resilience comes from thinking about second and third order effects uh it's it's fairly easy to come up with a scenario where which says uh you know what if aliens abduct your clients because that's easy translatable from a joke scenario into a real scenario of you start losing clients for whatever reason think about what happens if uh, the you've got you, you you've got suppliers right and suddenly aliens abduct uh, their uh the, the, their employees for example right uh, think about what 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 will happen if your suppliers are not able to to provide you services think about what what happens if your clients lose their clients if you're if you're a business to business uh provider right you may not lose your clients directly, but your clients may suddenly, you know, have problems with their, uh, their cash flow. their, cl- what if your clients have problems with their cybersecurity, third-party risk management is a big field and, uh, it's largely unexplored, I think, or underexplored, uh, you know, think, think about second, third order impacts and you, you can get into some very interesting conclusions uh finally we come to the third kind of lesson uh from from the speech uh um, given that by the uh, deputy governor of bank of england uh, and that is uh, the, uh he said that they have they've been tracking the developments uh, too narrowly they looked at uh, a certain set of metrics which was telling them you know, what they, what they thought they needed to, 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 to see about the development of the economy, uh, that, and, and then they learned that th- that wasn't enough. So think broadly about how you observe your, uh, the, the performance and that the reliability, the resilience of your company, uh, is it just sales? Is it just cash flow Um, you know, think, 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 think. If you think about scenarios broadly enough, you then start thinking, okay, if that th- scenario happens, how can I detect it early? Right? Let's, let's go into a, a a very simple second order scenario. What if there is a cyber attack at your, at your suppliers, right? Uh, your data is at risk. You cannot say this, this doesn't affect you. It's your suppliers. They have your data. So how, how can you detect it early? Well, what you news? should have in place well you should have in place some uh, mechanisms for your suppliers informing you about these things watching the news is after the fact if if it's in the media your clients already know about this your clients know that you have a problem you should know ab- about the problem earlier than your clients so have in place certain policies certain agreements about uh, this kind of notification with your with your suppliers that's just a simple example but you know w- watch your the performance the metric much more broadly than just look okay my company is doing well because the cash flow is good you know and that's obviously cash flow is very important as we know uh but uh you know it's it's uh and, you know, the, the broad look at, at, at resilience. Uh, one one uh, good example of, of quite bro- broad uh, look at, at, at resilience is uh, Economic uh, Policy Uncertainty Index. I quite like this, this, this index because it, it shows you a, a kind of almost lateral thinking way of approaching uh, uncertainty. Uh, it's an index that's uh, compiled uh, for, for many countries and also a global. You can uh, look at it uh, in the website policyuncertainty.com. And uh, how, how how do you think you measure policy uncertainty? How often I know changes. it says, how often changes? Uh, it actually goes uh, beyond that. They look at newspapers and how often articles with the three words policy... Uncertainty and uh, uh, economy; those three words. How often they appear together in an article, right? And they look across the the, the, the national press for for the countries. And uh, it's it's interesting that it you, you may think okay, press
0: you know maybe that maybe our media with it's various uh, uh, but I, it averages I, 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 out quite nicely, except, right? except maybe totalitarian countries where the press is. Yeah, control. But, uh, you know,
1: but, well, hey ho. Uh, so if 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 you look at at countries with fer- fairly free press, uh, it's it 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 just works, and uh, mm-hmm. you look at the graphs and they correlate very nicely with uh, with with certain events. It's quite interesting to see that uh, on the on the global uh, index, uh, the 2008 actually didn't. Matter that much. It was 2011 to 2013 that uh, was uh, had had much sig- more significant impact. Uh, so the in the index, which is uh, hundred based, it went to about 220 points in uh, in 2012 2013. Currently, it's about 300 points. We are living in a paradigm shift. And uh, we are living in uncertain times, and this this kind of I know no one no one who listens to this or no, no one who is even half conscious needs to be told that we are living in uncertain times, but it kind of proves the point uh, okay so so, so let's
0: try to get back maybe to 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 some lessons learned that we can we can adjust because like it's, it's uh, look, look at your emails that uh, circulate
1: around the company i don't mean you know obviously start s- spy on on your uh, on 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 your employees but just have a look at the reports that come to you as a senior manager and pick certain combinations of words pick them a priori so you you don't kind of start looking for for but pick certain combinations of words and look for them in the, in the reports. It's a fairly easy exercise, right? You can even write, uh, you know, ask, ask your IT people to write a quick script that will scan the, the, the reports for certain combinations of words and see how they correlate to certain events in your company, right? Uh, and and this, this, this may be a, fer- a fairly kind of uh, uh, simple but quite interesting exercise that you can run at low cost. And see how the communication actually is trying to tell you something that maybe it's, maybe, maybe the sentences are are a bit round and they try to uh, go about you know beating about the bush, but certain keywords will be there, right It's okay. a fairly simple exercise.
0: so the design design the metrics for your I, I think the good, good summary is. Mm, related to the resilience that we mentioned, and being prepared not for only what happened because the lightning rarely strikes twice in the same place, but into categories of problems and categories of effects which may have completely different causes. Uh, I think when we worked with, with with financial companies and their resilience, we the 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 the, the, the key phrase that, that was used, I think, by FCA is severe but plausible scenario. So mm-hmm. there is no need to, to, to plan for the sun to expand uh, prematurely and burning earth to cinder. Uh, but uh, the series of floods uh, and, and, and big impact of the climate change could be uh, worth considering. Uh, so, plan for yeah. un- unexpected.
1: Plan for the unexpected. Go back to basics when the un- when the unexpected happens. Go back to what you know. Don't try to guess because that rarely it's rarely a, works. Don't uh, overfit uh, data.
0: I think I think this is still the, the still some something, that in my mind would require some. Further clarification because I'm coming back to this 2008 that we started. Uh, Yeah. Everybody knew for dozens of years that the, the property prices will be rising. I think in 2007, if you would ask anyone, What do you know about the markets? the answer will be the properties will rise how do you define this? We are talking about the paradigm shift, let me remind you. We are not talking about uh, fl- let's say unexpected events like this this flash crash uh, where the paradigm is, I would say shaken, maybe. Uh, but we are talking about things like, it was an intro- introduction of a completely new methodology and completely new technological advancement. So it is a paradigm shift in a sense. But uh go back to what you know this is this is this is something that I, I i think i i would like to to explain like you know when do i know and when do i assume this is it's it's an interesting it's an interesting
1: question uh yes go back to what you know not what you think you know uh go back to some mathematical truth uh and uh, it, you know question them Every, everyone, you're, you're absolutely right. Everyone, uh, in, in 2007, uh, and it's very nicely illustrated in the, the film I already mentioned, the big short, uh, they, they were going around actually asking people what, wh- you know, what do they think about the, 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 housing market? And, uh, people were in denial. They were saying, no, it's, we, we can still refinance very easily. It's, it will, it will be okay. It will be okay. And uh, so being in denial is, is, is not good, but, uh, one thing that people should have realized that they do know is that if you borrow money from a bank you have to give it back at some point right or you will face foreclosure that's that's not an assumption that's a given uh what what people thought that they knew it was that uh, they could refinance very easily now that was an assumption that those two I think illustrate very nicely, uh, the, 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 the distinction between, between the, the, a given assumption and people exactly 2008 happened to such an extent, maybe, you know, we, we talked about the Gaussian cupola and, the, the, the uh, you know, the, the mathematical assumptions that were broken, but in people's minds, very, very distance from, from math, this is what exacerbated the problem. People, uh, have um uh, they they they've mistakenly used assumptions as the ground from which they were they, on on which they were still standing while it was shifting uh under them uh it is it is it is hard and it requires uh you know a lot of introspection and uh and you know questioning yourself but uh you know as a risk manager i always question the 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 assumptions i question my own assumptions i question my client's assumptions uh it's worth, and I think
0: you question even my assumptions, and that is unacceptable.
1: <laughs> I know it's annoying for you, <laughs> but I, I promise always to do it. Uh, so uh, you know, it's the one thing where where we start working together. I, t- I told you I will always ask you questions. They may not be nice questions, and you may not always have the answers, but I will I will ask you questions, uh, and uh, and that's that's why we haven't so far gone very very far wrong. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's go, go really ask yourself what, you know, and, and whether, whether these are assumptions, uh, plan for, for a wide variety of scenarios. And uh, these, these may sound like platitudes, but you know, as, as we said before, common sense is not that common. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's I think worth, uh, worth, worth uh, mentioning. Uh, be approximately right rather than precisely wrong. So look for answers that give you some insight. You don't you don't have to know exactly what's going on, but have have some certainty, some 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 solid ground to stand on once in a while, so you can reassess.
0: Uh, and, the, and I, I uh, would like to drop in, know. Can I chip in? Because uh, uh, you course. also you you, you mentioned uh, in your tirade, tirade uh, that. It is very important to look broadly at the situation. And one of the conclusions drawn mm-hmm. by by uh the VAP uh from Bank of England uh, was that they, they looked at the reality too, too narrowly. Uh this is this is a topic that, that we will probably touch very often, but do not limit yourself to your targets. If you are measuring the performance of your company, if you measure the the, uh, the events around your company, uh, your targets are not really good measures. Targets is something that people will be aiming to optimize to and, and try to, to, to maximize or minimize. You should have number of measures which are not like Arthur mentioned uh, a measure of like combination of words in emails but it can be i don't know in sales it may be not only num- number of closed sales but number of uh, successful connections if they change suddenly then it might be information, something changed on the market, something changed in my team. There is some risk uh, which should be probably addressed. Uh, if you will try to optimize for number of connections, people will be probably calling, their colleague says, hi, I'm good, bye. Or just making, you know, calling the, 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 the time-telling service if it still exists. Uh, so. Have measures which are independent from what people try to achieve to get their bonus. Mm.
1: Yes, and uh, this is this is what you what you keep telling me very often. And uh, you know that a, a, a measure uh, when it starts becoming a target, it stops being a good measure. Uh, I, I I think I finally start understanding this, <laughs> you know this this adage uh, after you've repeated it so so many times. But it 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 is a good one. Uh, so yeah, the, there you have it. We've got, we've got some interesting lessons, uh, based on the 2008, uh, financial market, uh, crash and, uh, 2010 flash crash and, uh, you know, some lessons, uh, brought to us in a 2019 speech by, uh, Dave Ramsden, deputy governor for, uh, markets and banking from bank of England. Uh, I think. All of these put together can be very nicely uh, just drawn out into into this this common sense approach of uh, resilience, being prepared and living through uh, uh, um, uh, any paradigm shift. And I think that the, the, the final lesson is that you need to apply those before the paradigm shift and not during. This is why you press the clutch before you shift gears. And not during, because you have you have to prepare for the shift. You cannot just hope that you will be able to react correctly during the shift. This is, uh, I think, this is crucial. I think this is all that all that we have time for. Uh, Thank you very much, Arthur. Hopefully, for... it was of use to someone.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you want to find out more about Paradigm Shifts, head to the Paradigm Shift podcast hosted by Ashish Kundra and Zain Salim. You'll find there some candid conversations with people building in the future about the breakthrough moments and hard-earned insights that shaped people, products, and technologies.
1: And for some very educational risk management disaster stories, listen to Dr. Andrew Stotz in his podcast My Worst Investment Ever where he interviews uh, investors and financial titans from around the world who share their heartbreaking tales of investment misfortune. As usual, the links to both of these sources will be in the notes to this episode.
0: Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll be talking to Yu Chen Chan, the founder of Redpoint Holdings, entrepreneur and investor about his experiences in nurturing startups. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or
1: visit bdr.show to find out more about future episodes and guests. You can also check out cognition.llc for more information on cognition shared solutions, our
0: services and other events hosted by us. For now, it's thank you from myself, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak, and my co-host Artur Guja. Thank you.